Hello and welcome to Soul Family Chat, where we envision new possibilities for a new earth. I'm Guy Harvey, your host, and welcome to today's show. And today we're going to explore some current news topics in the light of democracy, liberty, freedom, and free speech. And I'm delighted to have with me today Kim Sinton, Mahesh Chukalingo, and Tony Camero. And I'm just going to ask each of the gentlemen to introduce themselves. Uh, we'll start with you, Kim. Hi, yeah, I'm Kim Sinton. I'm a spiritual seeker living in Arizona. Mahesh? Can you hear me? Yep. All right. Uh, I'm Mahesh Chukalingo. Some of you may know me from my famous program, uh, podcast, <laughs> Mahesh Chukalingo. Uh, uh, recently renamed uh, Who Knows What via Tony Camaro. Oh. And, uh, and I'm happy to be here in Fairfield. It's been a while. Thanks for having me on, Guy. You're welcome. Yeah. Tony? And I'm Maximus Decimus from the famous movie Gladiator. You remember me from there. No, I'm, I'm Tony. I'm a friend, a peer, a colleague of you guys. And uh, I'm into Web3 these days, but I also appreciate all the topics that are the focus of your podcast. So thanks for having me on for a sec. Okay. Welcome, everybody. So... Uh, these are the topics. We, we may not get to all of them, but uh, the topics are going to be the Andrew Tate detention in, Rum in Romania, the Twitter file hearings, the congressional hearings that we had recently, and then uh, the release of the January the 6th, uh, I guess it's the security footage that's been released to Tucker Carlson at Fox News, the WHO treaty uh, where they're, they're going to do this treaty with sovereign governments around the world, which gives them the power, which give with the sovereign governments will be giving away their sovereignty to the WHO. And uh, the news that uh, there is now life insurance data in the United States showing that there is an increased death rate, uh, particularly in, uh, I think, people like 30s to uh, 30s to 50s. Okay, so I'm going to set the uh, set the tone here with the Andrew Tate detention. Okay, so what interests me about this story is is that uh, this is taking place in Romania. Andrew Tate has been arrested on alleged, you know, sex trafficking, I think money laundering, whatever they can come up with, and he was originally detained for 30 days without charge, and then he was extended another 30 days. And uh, I was informed that in Romania, this can go on for up to 180 days, but every 30 days they have to go in front of a judge. And uh, so I guess the defense has a right to make an appeal. Um, but this is, is, you know, it's quite different from, I think in the U.S. it's, what is it, 24 to 72 hours, it depends on the yeah, state. Something um, like that. So what surprises me about this is, is, first of all, Romania is a European Union, and the European Union likes to lecture other countries like Israel on, human rights and how they detain people and so forth. Uh, so, and then you see the kind of the reaction from the media is, is that in general, you know, Andrew Tate's like, uh, he's a little bit like Alex Jones in a way that there's a lot of people don't like him. And so they're okay with his rights being violated in a way, just because they don't like him. And, and that's mm -hmm. what kind of disturbs me. Like, I'm mm -hmm. not a fan of Andrew Tate. There's some things that he's talked about that he's done with his business that kind of disgust mm -hmm. me, to be honest. Yeah, no, but, he is a, like, but, like he did that OnlyFans network. I mean, that's human trafficking, however way you look at it. Were laws broken? No, but on, on the vibrational level, that's one thing. So he's got to be responsible for himself. I, I don't believe he necessarily broke any laws. I, 
I agree. Kind of well, what, yeah. Well, so, well, the question I want to put to you is, is, you know, I think we're in this state in the world now where people, if people don't like somebody and if he's from the, the wrong political tribe, like he's on the right rather than the left and they're from the left, they don't care what happens to his rights. They only, they only care for human rights for their own people. That's what, that, uh, that's what I say. And like I say, I don't know if, uh, if, if he's guilty or uh, other things. Like I say, I'm not here to comment on his life. I think he's life. guilty of being from the right, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so he's just, just, you know, he's just, just like a threat, you know. They'll, they'll mm -hmm. say he's far right or whatever, you know, the people who are, you know, right so there. Kim, right? What, Kim, what do you think of his detention? Well, I mean, it's interesting. It started right after the whole, right after he kind of blew up on Twitter with, with, with the Greta Thunberg, you know, the kind of, I don't, mm. I don't give a shit about carbon right. emissions, Greta Thunberg video that he put out, um, which, you know, the timing of that. And then within, you know, 48 hours, he's detained. Obviously that looks like somebody didn't like. I mean, I'm not saying that the Red Thumberg video was tasteful. I mean, it was, it was, you know, the timing for anyone was who's an environmentalist. Yeah, for anyone who's an environmentalist, you know, he, he, he came across pretty douchey. He's like, look at look at all my big cars and all my big emissions. Um, on the other hand, Greta Thunberg, you know, comes across kind of douchey too. And so uh, the fact that, you know, he was sort of sucking her into this sort of childish, uh, play and it went very viral um it, it seemed to me like somebody didn't like that you know I, I i haven't really followed enough to know about whether he's guilty or not and maybe you guys know more about that like so when he's been detained for 30 days does this was was when they had the first hearing did what happened what did the defense say and, and why haven't any charges been filed again filed against him yeah, well, this is Romanian law, which kind of surprised me. They can, like, they can go to the judge every 30 days and extend it up to 100, 180 days. By the way, Tony, I just want to make a quick yeah. comment. Like, when yeah. I said I was, dis when I was saying I was disgusted about uh, some things with Andrew Tate, it wasn't yeah. the fact that he's managing, you know, an online sure. sex work thing. Right. It's, 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 it's the th there's the tape where he talks about how they manipulated the men to give them money and kind of mm -hmm. pretended to mm -hmm. be the girls and got them to give them their life savings yeah, no, and I stuff agree. like that. He, did some, you like, know. He, tricked all, he tricked all those girls into thinking that they were in love with him or whatever, and he put them No, well, No, I'm talking about he – it's a well-known uh, thing that people do with the webcam girls and stuff is, is that mm. they trick the punters, you know, the guys that are paying – to think that the girl's in love with them and then they get them to give them their life savings and mm -hmm. you know buy mm -hmm. him a house and all those things and he literally mm -hmm. you know took millions of money from men and his his answer is just they're losers and so so mm -hmm. you know that's that's what i don't like because i i know I, young people I don't that even look know, up to him no. yeah. i have young people i know young people look up to him and that's like for me that's not being a man you know tricking people out of their out of their money so that, yeah, that yeah, i just want to make that clear okay and totally again i'm not agree. Well, I'm not here to judge Andrew Tate, and I don't think anybody, anybody, anybody can know if a person's guilty or not guilty. But what disturbs me is, you know, now I think we're entering 60 days of detention with no charge. And, mm -hmm. and, and basically, they've got 60 days to go through all his computers and, you know, I mean, it's, 
it's not mm-hmm. easy to jump to the conclusion that they could, as they would say in England in slang, stitch him up. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's 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 definitely wrong. Uh, Mahesh, what are, what are your thoughts, bro? Or I, I don't want to take thoughts are, I think it's uh, uh, the biggest story here is that who Andrew Tate is is irrele- irrelevant, really, because mm-hmm. he's just creating. He's marketing, right? That's what yeah. he's been doing this whole time is just marketing mm-hmm. and creating views and. Uh, that was his objective anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. If anything, all he has really done is show everybody, at least the people who are awake or people who are consciously watching, like we are here on this panel, that these are times that we need to be very vigilant and educate other people that this is what's happening. Uh, and we have to be very cautious about how we make our moves. I'm also learning this myself. Like I'm very vocal myself. I've kind of tried to take a very Andrew Tate approach with, with how I make a lot of my content. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have been warned by people who claim to be family members or uh, who are so-called MIT doctors and stuff calling me. I have a text message thread of somebody telling me, like, you need to stop posting stuff about Trump. And that got my attention because I was like, a politician in the United States, in America, you want me to stop posting my opinions on some politician? Mm-hmm. Why? And I started asking him and he kind of just went in on me, almost making it okay to abuse me verbally and call me, you know, uh, you know, stupid, whatever name in the book that you can pretty much a lot like what happened to Andrew Tate, except his, what happened to him was in the physical, what was happening to me was in the, in the, in psychological, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same treatment. It's the same, like, we got to put this guy in a cage because he's just getting out of hand. And that's what's happening across the board with everyone. It doesn't matter what. Yeah, yeah. When you've gone and, along uh, with the Andrew narrative. It's just a manifestation of what's happening to all of us on, mm-hmm. those, on the psychological, right? You know, so who he is and what he does is irrelevant because you, can, you cannot point to a single human being that's infallible. I mean, after all, we're here and we're human and we're making mistakes and we're learning from those mistakes and we're going to keep falling down and getting up. And that's kind of the, the journey we make as human beings when we come here, right? We're fighting the flesh. So you know trying you know to the, take the virtue. Well, what's interesting to me, Sorry. Mahesh, is that, is that I watch what you get censored for. And if I will put the same stuff out there, I will not get censored nearly as much. And I think that hmm. they like division so they see you as being a demographic that should be with the leftist mindset and with right. me they're like okay this guy's a white guy white male if he wants to be if he wants to swing right that's fine we'll we'll we'll, we'll categorize him as a trumpist and all the rest but right. when you do it then they look at you and they say oh Mahesh, he, if Mahesh, who's an immigrant and he, 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 he's a person of color, if he supports Trump, that really messes up our, our, our narrative where we're pitting people against each other. That really mm. dilutes everything. And so that's why they, they suppress you because they don't, they don't want, they don't, they, they want to have this narrative of, of, of one side against the other. And anybody right. who's kind of somewhere in between and speaking kind of like a, a, a truth message rather than an us against them message that to me, that yeah. was being censored. And that's I what, mean, Tate, that's what Tate is too, Kim, you know, I'd say you're spot on, you know, we can't have any color people, you know, any people of color, um, 
you know, speaking, you know, to the truth, because everybody who's gone along with the narrative, their only uh, defense is to shut you up because they've just gone along with the narrative based on what other people said or what they heard on the news or what, you know, that's what everybody's doing. And they don't really understand what really happened. And that's the difference between those who kind of I have a question for whoever's uh, whoever's listening out there. I have a question. Right. Ask yourself. What's more racist? What's more Nazi-esque in terms of treatment towards human beings? Right. That's the question people need to ask themselves. If you feel that it's within your right to shut me up or shut anyone down because what they happen to be saying is not within your paradigm or thought of what you think it should be, who's being the oppressor? Who's being the tyrant? Simply from that perspective, forget Mm -hmm what you believe or what you think is right. That's irrelevant. I'm just asking to that question. Well, um, you know, Mahesh, and I just tweeted the other day, I said the free speech issue is the most important political issue of our time because without free speech, there is no recourse. So, you know, tyrannical powers can do whatever they want. And if there's no free speech, there's, there's, there's no way to stand, uh, to stand up to it. And um, I think, you know, that might lead us into our next topic. But I wanted to say what you were saying, Kim, I think particularly uh, uh, MIA, the rapper, I think, I mean, she's getting hit very hard because she mm. was very kind of leftist liberal and she's a woman of color and so forth. And they're really hitting her hard in terms of kind of, you know, canceling her and canceling her contracts and canceling her festivals and, and so forth. But so let's uh, actually... Um, that does lead me into the next uh, the next topic, and that would be the uh, the, the Twitter file hearings. Mm. And um, when I mean, obviously, the we had the witnesses, we had the the Twitter executives, and then they were they were questioned by the Republicans first, I don't, and then the Democrats. I guess, I'm not sure how that works. I assume it was sequential. But when when AOC uh, it was her turn, and she she opened up by saying, "This is a complete waste of you know public money, public time. It's you know inconsequential and, and etc." And that, I said that's antithesis of you know what I just said it, that I tweeted is that this is the most important issue, um, political issue of our uh, of our, our time. And I thought that was very that was very um, that was very telling. So, um, do you have any thoughts on the? Um, on, on the Twitter hearings, uh, maybe start with uh, uh, you this time, Mahesh. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's funny that she would say it. So is she to me, she always seems like a waste herself. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but the stuff that comes out of her mouth sometimes, I I, uh, I just go like, my goodness. But do you see the one sidedness from their perspective? It's like. There, it's okay for them to put everybody else on trial, to have this whole charade of like pointing fingers of who's evil and who's wrong and who's this and who's that. But then when you turn the table and you start trying to hold their positions accountable and question their motives, they immediately get defensive and cry, you know, racism or sexism, or they hide behind this cloud of virtue signaling. And, and that's the part that always got me in these arguments is like, you're not even arguing the point anymore. 
You're not even trying to, to, to hold up your position on anything. You're just trying to now evade me and hide behind some label or some – just saying that this is a waste of money. Why? Tell me why, AOC. Yeah, well, I'd like, to add, waste, I'd like you know? to add something yeah. because, um, you know, she said it was – yeah, she said it was a waste of, a waste of time and, and waste of uh, public money. And then she tried to turn the tables and say, look, you know, um, President Trump – called Twitter or his people called Twitter and had them, you know, uh, delete a ban, a tweet uh, from, I was one of those democratic celebrities that's, you know, mm. kind of insulted her. And they said, look, look, they're, they're flipping it. It's really them that's doing, doing, was doing the censoring and not us. It's ridiculous because that was like one, one example, one tweet. And I know because I was very active on Twitter around the time of the last election. And I had many friends on Twitter that just disappeared, you know, overnight when they just they right. took out thousands of accounts mm. that just had MAGA or anything QAnon yep. in the in the in the in the profile. They mm. literally they they censored tens of thousands of people, maybe mm. hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. But she came up with this one tweet and said and flipped it. But here's this is what blew my mind. I went on Twitter and the the sort of mainstream liberal chorus on Twitter was saying AOC owned them. She totally destroyed them. You know, oh, I and, know. And, it's and, so ridiculous. and it was, and the interesting thing is she, um, she stated two falsehoods in her statement. One was mm. she, she referred to the Hunter Biden laptop as a half fake, which she can't really be half fake. It's either hundred percent fake, or you know, it's hundred percent real. Yep. And then she said, you know, that, uh, I think she indicated that, um, the alleged Hunter Biden lobby, in other words, not admitting that it's actually been authentic right, and it's been right, real, right. which I, I, think CB, I think CBS has examined it and, and said that, that, that it is real and, and, and so forth. Yeah. So she repeated two complete falsehoods. They and then do her followers the and chorus yep. said that yep. she owned them. And so it's yeah. like, there's no, it, it's just this George Orwell thing, man. Like I'm holding up, you know, I hold up five fingers and tell you it's three and everybody yeah, yeah. goes, yeah, it's three, you know? That they're 100% they're only speaking to the people who are totally hypnotized. And that's the only narrative that they stay on mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. some people are going to buy it hook, line and sinker. Okay, and then everyone else, then the way they present it is always kind of creating that potential of a question of doubt. You know, they always frame it in a way, but there's never any substance. And like you said, Mahesh, it's always it's always pointing the direction the other way. Kim, I know you right. had something to say, man. I don't want to step in front of you. A lot of the hypnosis you guys are talking about where AOC, you hold up five fingers and AOC says it's three and people believe it. And whether it's AOC or whether it's somebody else, I think, I think that there's emotional. It, it's an emotional trick that they get people. Right. So they get people so upset about, you know, like they put a video of Trump saying, "I grabbed her by the pussy" or, or whatever it is, you know. Mm. And they get somebody. I almost think they let Trump in on purpose just so that they could they could get this kind of emotional. That's what they thought. People. Yeah. At least that's they, what they thought they were doing. <laughs> yeah, but they wanted to let him get close to winning anyway. They, they gave him a lot of media mm. coverage that they didn't have they to get. Did. Because right. they, they, they wanted, and, and I think it backfired. I don't think they actually wanted so, him to get in. But it got very, they, they wanted those emotional triggers. And that comes back to why 
They want, that's what comes back to why they, I can put a whole lot of right wing stuff out there and they won't censor it. And, but if Mahesh puts something, they'll censor him because he's messing up the emotional yeah. game that they're playing. They, right. they want people angry and frothing at the mouth. And if they can't get that from people, they can't get people to make emotional decisions. People then fall back to making logical decisions. And that's the last thing they want. I, I want to clarify the intentions behind my post, too. Uh, a lot of people misunderstand my post as being pro-something. I'm not pro-anything. I keep a very skeptic mindset, and I might as well clear that up now since I have a platform to do so, is that I keep a very skeptic mindset about everything, everything in life. And I am just for the camp that says, hey, here's an idea. Let's present it and have a conversation about it. Right. And it's so baffling to me that I'm coming across the mindset that says, no, no, don't put that out that, that you shouldn't put that out. And I would go, why? Why can't I put that out? Why can't I talk about that thing? Why can't we have a debate or a discussion about that thing? Like, that's what America was founded on. No, is it not? And I would ask that question. Is that not the principle we yeah. want to uphold in this great nation? Is that not the most whether it, uh, I hate to bring in uh, Sanatan dharmic type of uh, mindset or, you know, holistic mindset in a healthy society, you want to have every idea presented on the table so that you can discuss it and talk about it and see how we can improve our nation on the whole, not divide it up into little. And that's the other thing I wanted to bring up at some point. I don't know if you're going to bring that up, Guy, where this whole thing with the, the, the breaking people down into genders and sexes and races and ethnic mm -hmm. groups. That's a very sinister uh, approach because what mm -hmm. they're doing is psychologically on purpose, breaking mm -hmm. society down into these little itty bitty groups to divide and conquer, right? Mm -hmm. You pin all these groups against each other that don't mm -hmm. even exist because we're all human beings anyway. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. yeah. At least we yeah. had that understanding at some point. Yeah. And now yeah, everybody... it's, really, it's really interesting. I, I was commenting on MIA's Twitter feed one day, something like, I liked what she's saying or... And some people replied to me and just said, oh, you won't like her music because they're just assuming you're an old white guy and you're, you, you must be an old white guy, American. They don't, first of all, they don't know I'm English. And uh, you must be right wing. And therefore, you're not going to relate to her music about refugees and so forth that she's made. So they have no idea who I am, you know, where I've lived in different mm -hmm. countries and... Um, uh, and what my beliefs are, but I'm already packaged and put into a, you know, uh, an ideology that's supposed to fit my, you know, my appearance and, and, mm. and, and so forth. Wow. Um, hey, as much as I respect each and every one of you, unfortunately, I have to dip out. I'm looking forward to hearing more of your opinions about all this stuff, but this time I got a, I got a jet. So. Okay. Thanks a lot, Tony. Yeah, Thanks later, for coming Tony. in, Tony. Nice See you on the next one. Please. Great. So, uh, right. so we're talking about the Twitter hearings. Any anything else on the Twitter hearings? I mean, I, well, I'd like to say it was interesting that um, I, was it Nancy Mace? Is that the? I think it was the Republican when she was questioning. Um, is it Vijaya Gadi? Uh, I apologize if I mispronounced the name. The the she was the you know the top Twitter executive when she was being questioned and she said, you know, are you a doctor? 
where did you go to medical school? And she said, of course, I didn't go to medical school. And she said, okay, so what gave you the right to censor Harvard doctors, et cetera, from that went to the best medical schools and so forth? And she said, you know, because people, because people didn't get alternative information regards the mRNA vaccines, for, for example, some more people will have taken those vaccines and some people will, have exp will experience uh, a range of adverse effects, which may include, uh, you know, premature death. And so she put, you know, she alerted us, all of us, to how serious that censorship was now. Of course, that's kind of flipping the argument that the government and the CDC and the tech companies are putting out is, is that, that, you know, lives are going to be lost if, if we don't censor these people. Uh, you know, people won't take the vaccines and people uh, and people will die. Of course, I think we've I think now the research will show that that was uh, uh, erroneous. But I think, you know, she did show Nancy May, she showed how serious the um, the, uh, the, the, the censorship was, and again, coming back to AOC when she trivialized it and said that this is complete waste of the public, uh, you know, of the uh, public's time and money. Glenn Greenwald said that the Hunter, the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop was one of the most serious issues in, in free speech in American politics, you know, for, um, uh, for, uh, for decades because it was, you know, the New York Post is a major is a major media mm. outlet, and for them to be for them to be blocked at an election time, um, that was quite uh, there's quite a precedent. So again, it's just absolutely mind blowing for AOC to say it's inconsequential. Well, I I think what's very interesting, I mean, inconsequential obviously is it is like the opposite of what it is. But um, what's interesting is that. You have to ask a question because oh, these guys are trying to come up with justifications for censorship and mm -hmm. and Twitter is very interesting in that this is the Twitter files. But when we look at what Elon Musk faced when he did have to censor some stuff on Twitter. Now, you know, there was stuff that you might say is obvious hate speech. A lot of it was bots probably put out by people who wanted to create the appearance of hate speech. When when does legitimate censorship become okay? And in my view, I would say intent is very important. And this is where it gets tricky. Is a person's mm. intent for sure? Not, not maybe we can justify it as, but do we know that somebody's intent is just to lie? Or do we know that somebody's intent is just to... Um, to cause somebody harm, they're not actually trying to educate anybody, or they're not trying to just express an opinion. And I think if there's any any ambiguity, if 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 if, if it could be, if anyone could argue that no, this person might have presented themselves badly, but they are trying to express a legitimate opinion that has some either what what they can information that they think could be useful for somebody and they're not purposefully just trying to lie, then that is, there's no justification for censorship. Even if you might say, oh, well, we believe that, that what this person is saying might cost somebody lives. Yeah, but, but people need, but, but free speech trumps that. Free speech is more important than, than, because if you don't, 
the only, the only, you have to draw a line somewhere. And I say, well, you draw the line in the sand where there's obvious negative intention. If somebody's, you know, getting on a channel and telling kids or, or teenagers to take cyanide, then okay, that's, that's obvious negative intention. If somebody's, okay. yeah, if somebody's going out there and saying, hey, I found that cyanide in very small quantities cures these diseases. Well, that's not obvious negative intention. Even if maybe some people take too much cyanide and die from it, maybe that's not good, but maybe, maybe you try and put out a good message on that. But it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting topic. At what point, where, where, how do you draw that line? Well, I think one of the ways that you draw that line, and I think, uh, and, and this has been well established and spoken about, is, is that there are existing laws that cover most of those scenarios. So uh, it's actually, you are breaking a law um, to encourage people to take, uh, uh, to take cyanide. In the UK, for example, um, to, I think, uh, you know, to verbally abuse somebody in a racist manner is actually against the law. There's actually laws in the UK um, mm -hmm. that you can't, you can't do that. So it's legitimate that if somebody is doing something like that, that threatens violence or things like that, there's an existing law that says, look, it's illegal to incite a riot or to threaten violence or things like that. And, um, you know, then they can take the tweet down or take the, uh, take, take the post, uh, post down. Of course, you know, it's the, you know, the interesting thing about the Trump situation in January 6 is, is that they actually deleted his tweet that where he said, you know, everybody be peaceful. <laughs> And they just, they yeah. just manipulating just, intent. Yeah. They, yeah. They, yeah. they, um, they manipulated it. So, um, so, um, you know, that might be a good, um, segue into our next, um, next topic. Any, or any other thoughts on that? Or should we go on to the next topic? I do have Actually, a, based on the next topic, I have a question and that is what, what was in those, why would the Democrats not want the January sixth footage released to Tucker Carlson. Okay, so let me just give you the, the background on that. And I think Glenn Greenwald, uh, who I think is probably the most brilliant analyst on all of these issues in terms of sort of free speech and democracy and so forth. Mm. Uh, basically, the whole January 6th thing has been weaponized by one side, right? The one side has been leading the investigations and the hearings and uh, the reason they don't want the tapes to get in what they consider to be the other side is they don't want the other side to be able to point things out on those tapes that negate their narrative that they've been building around this January, uh, January the 6th case. Basically, he said that, you know, it's like the Democratic side and the, and the media that's aligned with them. It's all just been one-sided. And mm -hmm. so um, they're, could you, could and, you and, and just let me finish just one second. And what they're saying is, this is like a classic. Uh, they have these guys on CNN. And I don't know if you, I don't know, you probably know this, but like half the people that speak on CNN are just from the security state, right? They're like former CIA, former FBI, former MSA, former Pentagon, you know? I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just like the deep state. And, uh, you know, they're saying that it's a security risk because you can see on these tapes where, 
I don't know where the safe room is for Nancy Pelosi. So they're not, they, you know, they, it's just an absolute excuse, right? It's just an absolute, it's like suppressing it. And, you know, I started out this show by saying we want to look at these things from a perspective of free speech, liberty, freedom, and democracy. This is anti-democratic. It's, it's anti-democratic. One side has pushed this thing, and now the other side wants the information to be able to at least present some evidence maybe uh, to the contrary or add some light to it, and they're saying, no, it's a security risk. That's the background. How, did, how, how, how could you possibly argue that a media outlet should not be allowed to get access to tapes that another media outlet has already had access to? Yeah. Ah, because I mean, they've, like, already, <laughs> they've already built the justification. They're already justifying it with their own loony ideology that's that's their justification their justification is they just make shit up and yeah. say hey uh, this is the reason why and they just throw some random nonsense yeah, I mean, like, yeah like i said earlier yeah. AOC, this laptop is half fake she just made it up that's not true it's just yeah. not true i mean her own mainstream media i mean that are friendly to her new york times have said mm -hmm. it's true and she said it's half fake so you know it's back to the five fingers three fingers things it just makes shit up yeah. it just makes shit up and repeat it you know uh, wash, rinse, cycle, you know? Yeah. And it's surprising to me how many so-called educated, I don't even know if I should use that term, people that I come across who are, I mean, you know, bachelors and masters and all these things who don't even question anything. They don't even ask a question or investigate or want to dive into a conversation they get hung up on the whatever the TV tells them. And that's the part that I guess was shocking and jolting to me was that here I am, this high school slash college dropout with no formal education other than a few certifications, right? Who's been wandering the world just sort of like talking to people everywhere I go. That's how I've learned most of my stuff is just talking. You know, like, hey, how does that work? And hey, how does this, uh, can you explain that to me? And Right. I'm, I'm this what they view as the mainstream views as a, a degenerate, uneducated human being. Right. In, in every sense of the word, in terms of their view of me. Here I am asking and being curious and I meet these educated people with all these, you know, qualifications and they don't they don't ask anything. They don't inquire or want to get into a conversation. They're focused on, well, this is what the television told me. And that's what it is. And don't you dare question it. And if you question it, then you must be a Nazi or a racist or whatever label they want to, you know, throw at you, which that's the part that got me so activated to get out here and start speaking was like, wait a minute, this isn't right. This can't be the sign of a very highly intelligent society that we're trying to build in the United States, in any country around the world. Because this is global, by like the way. This fear. Is like a, like fear a virus. Yeah. You know, I, I see like the fear. I see the people who maybe want to question it, who are a little bit in the middle and they say, but, but you know, who, but then when they see you question it, they're like, but, but you're, are you really qualified to question it? And this, and I think there's a, there's an assumption that they, that they give and they give power to these media outlets that these mm. media outlets have this authority to, that they, that they, that they know the truth and that, 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 that if you question them, maybe maybe you could be wrong because you 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 don't have the the kind of 
authority that these other people have. And it's like, well, do they really have that authority? So how, maybe how, are they really, you know, when you see IRC saying, saying a half, something like it, it, it's a half, it's it, it, half fake laptop or half fake story. How can a story be half fake there? You already know this bullshit. <laughs> so yeah. you touched on something that just kind of came to my mind, which is, uh, do you think that this, this thought process or this pattern of thinking developed from somewhere in the West. Like we were trained in the West to think like, don't question authority, but don't question just the West. I don't think it's just the West. I see, mm. actually, I see some countries having more of that than, than the West. I think maybe some of the Western countries are, are, are better at that. I think United States is actually maybe one of the best countries for questioning authority. I think most mm. of the rest of the world is probably worse. And I think, um, we, we have come from societies where United States is unique. It's one of the first countries to have this option for free speech. And, and when you go back in time, if you question the king, maybe he just cut your head off. Huh. You know? like, like, like you, you know, you, you went back to Nazi Germany and you questioned the, 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 the Gestapo. Well, you weren't going to, you might not be in a very good place. You might not, lot. you might not do it a second time. Um, yeah. Kim, I, I want to just pick up on this, you know, the West thing. And I think one, I think in a, in a, in a, a little way, not in a little way, in a big way, actually, people in the West are a little bit lambs to slaughter because particularly in North America, Western Europe, we're having the very high standard of living and uh, people are not really that aware of, you know, globalization and the unfair terms of trade between the so-called first world and the third world and so forth, the developing countries. And that we've lived, you know, for, for decades, a very high standard of living. And it's only, it's only sort of recently that the middle class has started to be really eroded and things really gone downhill. So people are actually in a way more trusting than say, you know, people in Africa know that you know, that everything's a scam, right? That the government's a scam and the international organizations are a scam, the NGOs are a scam. I mean, they know it because they know they've experienced corruption firsthand. And, you know, uh, you know, there's decades in their lifetimes and then in the history before of colonialism and imperialism, they're well aware of, you know, the man that, that, that takes advantage of everything where in a way people in the West are a little bit more, um, a little more gullible, like that people think, like, you know, people think, oh, you know, we have a, an amazing democracy in, um, in America when you've had these, this sort of, you know, two-party duopoly that basically that both sides have voted for every freaking war that they've ever, that they've ever come up with, but they think that they're free here. So, but because in a way the people are kind of bribed by the high standard of living that we have. And it's only now that that high standard of living is starting to get seriously eroded that, and you, you know, particularly after the pandemic, you see the small businesses getting destroyed and everything like that. Masses of amount of middle-class wealth getting destroyed. The people are, people are saying, Hey, you know, uh, no, I don't necessarily trust what I, um, uh, what I'm being told. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, good... look, 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 we haven't lived, we, we haven't lived in a time where you got thrown in prison for your political views. I mean, you're from, you know, you're from South Africa, spent part of your life in South Africa, and you know that that was certainly a history, um, you know, for, for a time in uh, South Africa, whether you're white or black, if you questioned the apartheid regime, you could end up in, in, in prison. So that hasn't really existed here in America um, or Western Europe. Maybe, you know, the, you start to see these high-profile cases like uh, Julian Assange, and now you start to see, you know, Alex Jones getting, uh, what is it, $1 billion, um, you know, penalty uh, from the lawsuit and so forth. But uh, it's kind of new for Westerners. I think, I, yeah, I think, I think there's been enough. Um, I, I think during the 80s, up until the, up until the 90s, there was enough control by mainstream media and the, you didn't have the internet. You didn't have a, another voice. And so you just, you only had the mainstream channels and they, and, and that was a unified message. And that was it. People believe what they saw on television and they, they didn't, they didn't need to squash anybody's voice. They, 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 they pretty much had it under control. And I think, as time has gone on, first of all, I think they've lost control partly because of the internet, but then I think they've also lost control because I think at the top level, whoever's pulling the strings, we don't really know who those people are, but I think there's some dissension and I think there's different groups with different ideas about what they want. And, and I think that's part of why we've seen more desperation and more where, where the, the curtains dropped and we've started to see what's behind the curtain. Because up until the '90s, nobody, you know, you might have heard, you might have talked about it at a party once in a while, but nobody took it that seriously. Now it's mainstream; everybody's talking about this stuff. How did how did the curtain drop that much that people have started to really become aware? And I think part of that is that the, at the at the at these top levels, some of these groups are not aligned perfectly with each other anymore, and mm -hmm. that's that's causing them to do desperate things, which is starting which starts to become obvious to anyone who's paying attention to anyone who's awake. You look out and you see them paying school kids to take a flu vaccine, a flu vaccine with a 20% efficacy. And you think, okay, something's wrong with that. So the, the, that's not something they normally do. Why, why aren't they paying the kids to take vitamins? Why aren't they paying the kids? Why aren't they giving them the kid? Why aren't they giving money to the kids so that they have proper school lunches? Why, why that, why that flu vaccine? That's not even effective anyway. And then why, why similarly, a few years later is that huge big push for the, for the COVID vaccine. And then there's been a number of things. I just give examples with the vaccines, but there's been a number of things that when you, when you look at it, you say, oh, something that just doesn't really make sense. Like, like uh, um, Assad, when he dropped chemical bombs, they came down on him and they said, okay, you're a really bad guy. You dropped chemical bombs. That's why we're going to get sanctions on you and all the rest. And then he got massively punished internationally for dropping chemical bombs. And then he did it a second time. And you thought, would he really do it a second time? Would he really drop chemical bombs a second time after he got, you know, it's not really much of a benefit to him dropping these chemical bombs. Why would he do it twice? And then he does it a third time after even the second time, he got even more repercussions. And then, he, and then supposedly he does it a third time. And then you realize, okay, something's wrong. It's probably not Assad dropping these chemical bombs. Something else is going on. And you start to see the, the curtain has dropped. Somebody yeah. got... Yeah, well, you know, you know, you know what? Like one way to deconstruct um, 
politics and propaganda is to ask who benefits in like who benefits from Assad dropping chemical weapons. Of course, the the Western powers benefit from it because it fits the it gives them the excuse to do whatever they want to right. do over there. And you know, you you can apply this very easily to the Nord Stream pipeline. I mean, who benefits? Who right. benefits from that being that. being yeah. uh, uh, blown up? You know, the uh, the Western power interventionists. But it's a, it's a very good point, Kim. Um, so I'd like to go into um, the topic of the the WHO Treaty. Um, and Andrew uh, Bridgen, MP, uh, asked a question in, in the UK Parliament, and I think it was, uh, um, it's probably the Minister of Health. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. It was a lady that was the minister. And they have, if you know the UK system, they have this, they have parliamentary, they have prime minister question time, and then they have sort of ministerial question, question time where the ministers ask the questions. And so he asked about the WHO treaty, the one that will give the WHO authority over, in this case, UK and other countries to dictate policy during a um, pandemic. And of course, he um he highlighted all the abuses of the lockdowns and and poor COVID policy and said, so why why the heck are we signing up for, uh, you know, more of this? And her, her response, which, you know, it's just a canned response, was that the, you know, pandemics, these viruses have no borders. Therefore, we need this international coordination uh, to deal with this, and I, I might have talked about this on on the last podcast we did together. Is um, this is what the pandemic, scamdemic, dumbdemic, whatever you want to call it, has in common with um, the global warming, climate change thing? Is is they're both um, global problems that the only way that we've been told that they can be solved is through global cooperation therefore global cooperation means that we have to have international pan-global agencies that coordinate in, thing, in things like that and I, and th what i feel about it is it, it's like uh you know david ike used to say you know the problem reaction solution so oh now you've got a problem that's global so the only way to solve it is to have a global organization, which, you know, let, let, let's just cut to the chase. <laughs> you know, you basically, you one world government, right? You, you can only deal with these global problems by having a, uh, uh, a, world, uh, a world government. So anyway, so we'd like to hear your thoughts on the uh, WHO, World Health Organization um, Treaty. I'm not, I'm not biased. I don't think, I mean, if we look back in history, have we ever seen the bigger government, the bigger organization be the benign entity, be the be the one who's really fair to the people and not being the abusive entity. I don't if we just carry that principle forward, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious that every time we've seen even even where it looked pretty benign, like 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 the European Union. The European Union, when I was a kid, I thought that's great, you know, like we're going to be able to go to different European countries, travel without a passport. There's going to be all this advantages with currencies you know, just one currency and everything. And then I hear about it later and I'm like, well, now people are paying tax that they never had to pay before because now they have to pay tax in their home country and they also have to pay for this oversight European Union entity. 
and what actual benefits do they get back from the European, the globe, you know, the whole universe, European know. entity? Is, is it really worth paying another five or ten percent tax? And then you've got, and then you've got um, obvious abuses of power by the European Union, and to the point where countries like the UK decided to secede from it. Um, but it's like. And that's that's what that's an example of where you it seemed like a really good thing right from the beginning. I mean, most of the other times, the, the big organization, whether it was the USSR or, or United States government or, or any of these big gov overarching governments, they've always abused. So why why would it be any different now? You know, mm -hmm. Mahesh, I, uh, I can I play the clip that Elon Musk just put out not too long ago? Uh, can sure. I bring that in? I should say, on, I know this is called the World Government Summit, um, but um, I think we should be maybe a little bit concerned about uh, actually becoming too much of a single world government. Um, if, if I may say that we want to avoid creating a civilizational risk by having, um, frankly, this may sound a little odd, too much cooperation between governments. Yeah, so he was just sort of saying there that um it's a huge disadvantage to try and condense the whole world down to one world government. And uh, we would be shooting ourselves in the foot as a species that if you just allow everybody to just exist within their own uh, realm, so to mm -hmm. speak, and govern and manage themselves, that would be the better strategic approach for all of us because then you diversify our, our survival. If everybody is attached to one big, huge organism, then if, if something happens and we all implode economically, economically, most of all, then the whole world goes down, it implodes. But if everybody's in their own little world, then there's a chance for each economy to thrive on its own and sort of like help the other one recover when it goes down, et cetera, et cetera, which was the whole basis for diversifying ourselves in the first place. Mm -hmm. was the sort of that's the whole thing of sustainability right buy fresh buy local i mean even at that level that's what we were trying to get at when we were teaching that years ago you know it's the same with uh the the economic model of keeping everything local to its area and trading so that everybody would have the ch we would give humanity a chance to flourish right and yeah to, i mean you you, you start with local self-sufficiency and then if you have a you, you you have a surplus. Um, I mean, I I studied African studies, and you know, a fair amount of that was studying um, the colonialism and so forth. And some African countries had like years of grain stored. Um, you know, um, they could survive like all kinds of droughts and so forth for a long time because they had such an such an abundance of course when colonials came in and then all the land was turned into growing um crops and uh for cash and exporting them to to europe to the colonizers and, and extracting them and now and then the people just became wage slaves and uh there was no self-sufficiency so you know we need you know we need to get back to that self-sufficiency i mean like i said the most radical thing you can do right now is um you know, grow, it's grow your own food. I think that's the solution moving forward for everything that's happening right now. I think if there's a message that needs to get out to everybody is that we need to start thinking on that level of self-sustainability as a community, as a country, um, and just sort of pushing that message out going forward.
and promoting uh, these ideals that make society great, like freedom of speech, uh, the right to protect yourself against any form of tyrannical forces. You know, all these things need to be protected uh, to make our country communities great and talked about everywhere we go. I mean, that's why we're making these videos in the first place, is to sort of try and get people to understand and to know that you're not alone and that there's millions of us out there who feel and think this way and that uh, we're all here for each other, you know, moving forward. So. And on a more immediate sort of risk level, the people who, you know, look like lightly candidates for this one world government like Klaus Schwab that they're talking about. <laughs> I mean, he, he's saying like off the wall stuff. He's saying stuff like, if you guys all had a chip in your brain and I could hear what you were thinking and, and, and stuff like this. And, and, and like, you know, you, you'll live in a pod and own nothing and you'll eat bugs and like the stuff that they've got planned for us with their one world government doesn't, doesn't sound great at all. And, and, and the thing that blows my mind is I, like you, Mahesh, I mean, I was involved. I, my degree is in sustainable living. I know a lot about sustainability too. And sustainability, we, we had all the solutions. We still have all the solutions. You know, like, we don't need fertilizer to grow food. We can, uh, we, we can have, we can have uh, better quality of life and be sure. completely sustainable. No worry about global warming. No worry about destroying the planet. But the none of the stuff that this so-called wanna, wannabe one world government is saying is necessary. None of it. Mm. We don't need to eat bugs or live in a pod or, or have chips in our brains in order to be sustainable and not harm the planet. Mm -hmm. We don't need any. In fact, in fact, if anything, that will lead society to complete destruction. It'll be, and when you have destruction of the human society, you'll have destruction of the environment as well. Okay. Is so, Kim, you've got a, quite a bit of background noise going on there. I'm just going to uh, maybe um, just switch to Mahesh. I uh, appreciate those comments. What's that? Uh, um, Mahesh, do you have any back. comments on that? Oh, yeah, welcome back, uh, Tony. Yeah, thanks. I had to go fix a flat. Uh, okay. No, I, 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 I pretty much uh, understand what, what Kim is saying. He's saying that there's an immediate need to take action with what, what's going on with people like Klaus Schwab. But I, I don't think we have to worry uh, too much because there is, a, there is a huge pushback, at least from my observation and from the little bit of traveling I did last week and hearing the conversations taking place. I was at an event in Pennsylvania uh, for a company. I, I was able to get a little side gig uh, doing their audio for their event and uh, just walking through and walking by the conversations that people were having blew me away. Like the mm -hmm. amount of uh, consciousness that's waking up and talking about the Twitter, the Twitter files and uh, the whole pandemic, the scandemic was uh, another term I heard somebody use. And these people are, are chatting about this. And, and a lot of these people are CEOs and top executives and, you know, top salespeople and top coaches and, you know, and I'm, I'm like, wow, okay. And then, uh, on the, if you look at the subscriptions, the, 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 the amount of subscriptions that have gone up for alternative platforms, just look at the numbers there alone. That tells you that the consciousness is already there. The, the opposition is already there. 
So I, I am not worried about Klaus Schwab and, and Bill Gates and all these people because they may have the money, they may have the resources to try to implement certain strategies, but they are going to fall flat on their, they are falling flat on their faces. And, and, and they're going to still try to poke here and there because that's what, you know, that energy is always going to try to poke. But as long as there's people who are constantly debating and coming to the debate and speaking up, and that's the key, always speaking up, speaking your truth, then there's no chance in hell that that can even be successful at all. I don't see it being successful. Mm -hmm. And if they do try to get to the point where they, they're literally going to have to try and put, uh, try to wipe us out, which they can also try. But at the end of the day, there's a higher entity or force or divine or whatever you want to call it that always wins. I mean, you go back through history as far back as you can take humanity and that energy has always been there. That mindset has always been there. Control. How do I control? How do I control? And every time it tries to control, guess what happens? It loses control. Every yeah, I time. Mean, I w- it's a um, dance, you know. I wanted to give an example. Um, thanks, Mahesh. To kind of illustrate this, for example, you know, there's so much sort of nonsense going on in the public education system and so more and more people are moving towards uh homeschooling and and particularly if they come back again and try and mandate medical treatments and things like that it's just going to increase increase the homeschooling i understand not everybody is able to do homeschooling at this point but it's, it's actually so you've got this pressure of you know these forces that are trying to you know, control our children through the education system. And what, what's it, what's it doing? It's creating, uh, families that are starting to uh, educate their kids at home, which is actually, you know, hugely, hugely positive thing. So wherever they, wherever the, they push that, like you said, there's a reaction and something more beautiful kind of grows on, on the other side. And, and, um, and, you know, the, the, pandemic has been obviously it's been very difficult and uh, and all of that but we've never seen so much awakening as we've seen during yeah. during during this uh during this time like and i just want to qualify i'm never saying like oh you know some human suffering or people dying is like a good is it's a good thing but there's something there is some silver lining that that's happening through, uh, uh, through these uh, events. So I'll tell you what, guys, I'd like to close here. I'd like maybe each of you just to give a small message of hope um, uh, before, we, before we close. Put you on the spot. Oh, Kim, hang on, Kim. Kim, you're muted. I got you muted for, okay. Yeah, so uh, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead. I, I, I will say that, um, had one realization the other day, because yeah, it's easy to get very upset about knowing that there's people out there with these uh, negative wishes for society. Um, But I sort of realized, well, we are ultimately we're, we're this, this, this pure consciousness and we, we, we can choose the reality that we want. Um, And, you know, I know we, we talk about cancel culture, but on a consciousness level, we can literally just cancel these negative entities. You know, we, we don't, we don't have to have that as part of our reality. So, and, you know, and I also appreciate what you were saying, Mahesh, that there's a lot of us standing together now and there's a lot of awakening, so we don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. I, wish, I also appreciate hearing that from you. So, 
Tak skal vi. Er Mahesh? Let Tony go first. Okay, okay, Tony. Yeah, sure. Sure, I will. Let me unmute myself. Or can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the individual's experience of what we're going through is reflective of how much of that illusion, that image, that is a projection of the mind that we are attached to and hold on to, and that that everyone has the opportunity because of the the purity kind of frequency that let's say, okay, let's put it in some terms that some people may be familiar with. Some people may say the gold frequency or the cosmic kind of connections that we have, the intelligence that flows through the human experience um, is, uh, is completely unique and individual. And depending on how much we hold on to, everybody's going to have a different experience of what we're doing. Is it real? Is it really happening? Yeah, it is. How much do we want to engage in, in it? I think that's a choice, right? And do we want to fight the hard fight and get in there and dive into the trenches? Is that the way we get something done? Or do we kind of wake up within to this new kind of reality, this new earth, which I think everyone you know, is going to be experiencing. And the old world is going to, the machine is going to do what the machine is going to do. There's going to be no stopping up, stopping the attempt. I think the wake, the awakening has greatly minimized the actual success that their infrastructure will obtain, but they will have some success and that will be our great loss. That will be our great loss to have lost that part of humanity that fell for that shit. So, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. Yep. That's like great. That. Mahesh? Follow that, uh, Mahesh. In closing, I yeah. guess, uh, uh, in closing, uh, I'd like to say that I think we're living through, despite all the crazy shit, <laughs> we're living through amazing times in human history. And I think it's awesome. It's wonderful. And uh, uh, when, you, you know, if you're listening, thank you for being here and, and don't give up and, like Tony and uh, and um, Kim pointed out earlier, don't. It's just a frequency shift, right? It's just a shift of of your mind and understanding that all of this had to happen. <laughs> if 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 all of this didn't play out, we wouldn't be motivated or pushed or moved to sort of grow as a species and move into the next shift or phase of our development as a species. And, and if you look throughout history, just simply looking at a storyline, we've always had to do that. We've always had to deal with these forces so that we keep moving forward. We keep evolving forward. So it's just a question of where do you fall in that, in that frequency, right? You could fall either way. You can fall into the, the, the really negative side and become oppressive and tyrannical and, you know, want to keep people down or you can fall into the love and the harmonizing and the unionizing and, and bringing everybody together. And, and I think we're always going to have those two forces, no matter what, that's always going to exist. But they both, I guess that's probably where the yin and yang uh, sign or symbol comes from is the understanding that those forces in the universe are always going to be there. And it's just a question of, I guess, coming into harmony with that and working with it in some way, you know, yeah, I mean, so we'll see how it goes. You know, I, I'm having fun. That's beautiful, Mahesh. Yeah, there's no, there's no spring and no summer with uh, without the fall and the winter. Uh, 
um, and we see that cycle in nature that uh, things things collapse and then things uh, rejuvenate and expand. That's beautiful. Uh, I want to thank you, Kim. Thank you, Mahesh. Thank you, Tony. Uh, this was a delight uh, to share with you, and I would love to do this again. And uh, yeah, just thanks so much. Thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Thank you.